Let's get involved and stuck into God's word today. And let's continue our unrivaled preaching series. Uh, We spoke on a few things such as God as creator, God as uh, never-ending, eternal. And today we're going to dig into uh, another facet of God's incredible being, his nature. But before we get into that, I want to take you back to um, the lockdown. There's something that I think most people in this room is synonymous with in lockdown. And it was something called Zoom. Yeah. You can see, I don't know any of these people at all. I found this on uh, Google Images. But most of us are quite familiar with this screen, you know? Um, Different people zoomed in from different parts of the world to one screen. At times, this can be for like a seminar or a conference or a certain teaching or a course. One person speaks and all these other people watch. And when we think of being in many places at once, something like this could come to mind. You know, if that was myself and we had maybe like 13 to 14 pages worth of these screens, we're looking at a good couple of hundred people watching me all at once. My face is transposed onto their screens. Therefore, I'm digitally in 100 to 200, 300 places at once, you could say. Zoom comes to mind when I think of how can I get myself into as many places at once to, uh, I guess, impact or, you know, get my face seen. Zoom comes to mind. Thousands of people, even millions, when you think about the Super Bowl or the World Cup, you know, television takes it and streams it out to millions and millions of people. However, it's quite deceptive though, isn't it? Because we're not really in more than one place. When you look at these screens here, it's it's digitally um, imposed on other people's screen. You, You are still in a room somewhere, but your face is transposed to these other screens. When we really think about it, it's quite deceptive because we can't have any impact in any of those environments other than just our face being seen. We can't do anything. We can't save somebody if they were being attacked. It's a passive way of us transposing our image across the world into many destinations. Your body stays in the same place. Now, I say all of this to say there is something in a facet, a part of God's nature that is so beautiful and so hard to understand, and that is God is omnipresent. You see, with us, when we try to transpose ourselves... We transpose ourselves in a very passive way. We can have no effect on our environment other than the room we are in. But with God, that's completely different. So today, we're going to deep dive into the Unrivaled series that God is omnipresent. Omnipresence is God is everywhere constantly. Now, when Mark gave me this this portion of uh, God's, God's, God's being, it was incredibly difficult to figure out where to go. But one, one thing I found in when you're, in your want to, to, to learn or understand more about God is don't start off with imagination and don't start off with, you know, thoughts all, all over here. Come to Scripture. Whatever you do, build on the facts and sovereignty of Scripture. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with Scripture first and see what God says about himself, and then we're going to build from there. So let's start. 1 Kings 8, 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? 
Behold, heaven and the highest he heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. So as we see, we're contained in that room when we're on Zoom. We're contained in that place. But in 1 Kings 8.27, it says God cannot be contained. Not even in heaven. The place where he's made for him to dwell. He cannot be contained in heaven. So we're learning about God's omnipresence. He cannot be contained in heaven. Let's go over to Psalms 139, 7 to 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in show, which is hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You see how the spirit of God, the presence of God is even in the furthest points of existence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal in hell, you are there. If I dwell in the deepest parts of the sea, you are there. Your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is not in these places passively. God is in these places actively. His power is active in these places. Amazing. Let's go over to Isaiah 66 verses 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? In so many ways, God mocks our shelter, our need for shelter. We need to be contained from the elements. It could be a sandstorm, it could be a twist star, it could be anything. We need to be protected. And God almost scoffs at, what, what house will you make to contain my presence? Heaven is my throne. Now, I don't know the furthest remits of heaven. I don't know the borders of heaven. I know the borders of earth, I know where it ends and starts. But we do not know the remits of heaven. And God says, heaven is my throne. He sits on it. And earth is its footstool. That's a great picture of God. <laughs> and, how, and how amazing and how wonderful and how vast his presence is. Let's go over to Jeremiah 23. 23 to 24. Again, we're building foundations here. It's important for us to not get lost in imagination and lost in frivolous thought. We need to ground ourselves in God's word first. What does God say about himself? Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord? Am I not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So in the same breath, God says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. And in the same breath, he says, do I not feel heaven and earth as well? God has given us a picture of his presence. His presence is without limits. He declares us our thought. He says, can man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him? Our thoughts and our heart. He sees it. His presence is omnipresent. It's everywhere constantly. Acts 17, 27 to 29. I'm going to do a bit more digging into this scripture. Let's read. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. 
beautiful. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine is being, the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. We exist in God. Our very life force is in him. And there's a beautiful part of that scripture which, which says, and perhaps in the top line, they feel their way towards him. The word that they use for feel is grope. Like a blind person would grope out in the dark. Can't see. I'll grope and I feel out for things. And God said, God said if you will just feel out for me, you will find me. It's very important, feelings and emotions. You know, the culture nowadays, it speaks of stoicism. It means lack of emotion, lack of feeling. Deal with your circumstances without emotion and feeling. That's very dangerous for a Christian because God gave us emotions. As we learned from Jesus, Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Jesus expressed. It's important for a Christian to be in connection with their emotions, for it to not be a master of you, but to be a tool in which you connect with God. There's a beautiful part of scripture here which says God is not made of gold, silver, or stone, or an image formed by the art or imagination of man. He is not material. You know, I went to the British Museum with my kids, and we walked into different parts and sectors of the world, from Greece to Egypt to China, Africa, and there are so many, quote-unquote, lowercase g, gods that they've imposed into gold and into tapestry and into parchment paper. 4,000, 5,000 years old, it was remarkable. But God transcends that all. He's not a God made of parchment paper or gold or silver or emerald or, or, or iron. He is a God that has no material um, um, boundaries. Nothing that's precious or enduring that we see. He far exceeds that. Even art and imagination of man. This is called metaphysical reasoning. So metaphysical is something that you can't touch. It's like imagination and thoughts. God is far beyond that. His presence goes far beyond our reasoning. How, much, how, how can you think of God in an in imagination where he goes, I go further than that. Oh, God must be as big as whatever that as is. He goes further than that. Oh, God is everywhere constantly. He's not even limited to our reasoning. Oh, let's try and reason to find out, okay, God, if heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool, then maybe God is this big or that big, or maybe he fills this space, he shatters that. God is everywhere, constantly. And this is what we're learning here. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like, is not like these things. Imagination and art, gold and stone and material elements. Paul is telling us that God is not like these things. And when I was inside of the British Museum and I stand in front of all of the Greek culture and they had their Zeus and they had all that stuff, and you saw all of the philosophy, the excavations of philosophy into why do we think the way we think? How, if, what is our existence made of? The Greeks came up with to the unknown God. That was the end of their imagination. That was the end of their philosophical reasoning to the unknown God. But then Paul comes along and says, no. 
He's not the unknown God. His name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's go into Hebrews 4.13. Again, we're digging down to make sure our foundation is sure and secure. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from his sight. No creature, no thought, no deed is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of God. And we must give an account for all that we do, all that we think, and all that we say. God is omnipresent everywhere, constantly. So now we've done the foundations of understanding what Scripture says, what God says about himself. Now let's build on top of that. How then can we get some level of understanding of something to relate to? How can we relate the element of God being omnipresent everywhere constantly to us in 2022? Trying to understand his omnipresence. The first thing about him is his existence. How does God exist? What's the best way we can connect with God existing? God, God's existence can't be determined by what exists. Now, we're not talking about his existence in terms of his character or his personality. We're talking about his being. So, if I put you inside of a room with no window, just a door, table, some paintings on the wall, a cup, a desk, some carpet, you cannot determine where you are by the room you are in. It's the same thing about us. We cannot determine the being of God by the world that's been created. By the world that's been created, we understand God's nature and his character, not his being. His being is different. It's separate to his character and personality. He constantly smashes everything that's been created when we try to define his being like analogies and references that we've used. There's always a point where we can go, oh, God may be like this, but there's a point we get to where it ends. On every analogy, every reference, every reasoning, every type of philosophy, there's a point it gets to where it can go no further. And where it can go no further is where God continues to go because he is everywhere constantly. God has no limit where our reasoning and our logic does. Trying to explain... <laughs> How God is um, transcendent, om omnipresent, is very difficult. However, we have road markers. So what exists and what we see around us are just road markers to his personality. They're road markers to who he is. I'll give you an example. I like gardening, evergreen tree. When I see the evergreen tree, I see God's faithfulness. No matter what season, of the four seasons that go through, the evergreen tree stays green. So when I look at the evergreen tree, I see the nature of God, the, the, the character of God, of his faithfulness. No matter what season I'm going through, he is faithful. He will stay green. The leaf does not wither. So I'm using creation of what he's made to understand his nature and to understand his character. But that tree does not tell me anything about God's being. It's different. So ultimately, the word we, we come to, we try to understand God by is, he is transcendent. And transcendent means beyond or above the range of normal or physical human experience. So God is beyond all of our senses and our reasoning. And again, he's just complete. 
When we look at God's omnipresence, he's just smashing everything that we try to latch onto to try to put him in a box, to try and contain him. He absolutely smashes it. Oh, God is in heaven. Heaven can't contain me. You see what he does? He smashes each one time and time again, and rightfully so, because he is omnipresent everywhere, constantly. So there's one time I was in Stratford Square, and I, was, I, I saw a, a preacher a preaching and whatnot, and there was a Muslim standing beside him. He was like trying to get the, t- the preacher's attention. and said, look, look, you know, answer my question. So I went over to the Muslim, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? He was like, look, this guy, I'm trying to ask him a question, but he's not, he's not answering my question. So I said, oh, ask me the question. He was like, how can Christians believe in the Trinity, God being free in one? So I'm like, he's, this man doesn't understand theological reason, doesn't understand scripture. So I'm like, what could I use to help him understand the Trinity? So one thing that came to mind was water. There's something beautiful about water. Let's go to the next slide, please. There's something amazing about water. States of matter. So I explained to him, as you see, you have condensation, evaporation, you have steam. You also have liquid. And then you have ice. The compound of water hasn't changed, though its state of matter has. It remains the same, though it's three distinct characteristics or states of matter. He didn't like it because obviously he wanted to bury me. And I'm like, bro, this is a very easy way to understand the Trinity. This is what God is like. It's still water. It still has the same chemical compound. So what we're using, we're using creation to understand a bit more about who God is. Not his being, his personality and his character. That's what I tried to explain to him. So for us today... How can we understand God's omnipresence? It's immaterial. God's presence is not material. We can't feel it. We can't pull it apart and then find out what atoms and molecules are inside of it for us to define what it is. It's very hard. But I believe the Holy Spirit gave me one. Just like he gave me the water. It's oxygen, the breath of God. This is the best likeness I could find that to help us understand how God is omnipresent. Oxygen. There is oxygen in the highest points of the earth. Far above all the aeroplanes near the firmament, there is oxygen. In the deepest parts of the ocean, in the Mariana Trench, the deepest point of the ocean, there's oxygen in the seabed. The oxygen flows through our mind, it flows through our hearts, it flows through our organs through oxidized blood. In vertebrates, O2 diffuses through our lungs into blood, and that goes through our whole body. So most of living organisms in, is, has oxygen as part of water. This is the principal element of life forms. So oxygen is in the highest points of the earth, the deepest points of the earth, flows through our mind, our hearts. It flows through every part of our body through blood. Oxygen is everywhere. There's even oxygen passes. It's a place called the death zone on the, um, the Andes and the, the Himalayan mountains. There's a point where you go past 8,000 meters. Once you go past that, your body can no longer survive on the thinness of oxygen in that, in, that, in, that, in that part. There's still oxygen there, it's just that we can't survive. There is oxygen everywhere. So to try to marry that next to God's omnipresence everywhere constantly, oxygen is everywhere constantly. We get inside of a plane, oxygen. Train, underground, Jubilee Line, one of the lowest lines, there's oxygen. Oxygen is everywhere constantly. It's Earth's most abundant element, okay? So I'm trying to build a picture. 
We've got the foundation of the word of God, of what God says about himself being everywhere. Now we're trying to understand something he has created to understand something about him a bit more. But, this is the but, oxygen has its limits. See, he smashes it to pieces. He's like saying, I'm going to give you oxygen to help you understand me, and I'm going to smash it to pieces for you to see that I am God, far beyond your limits and reasoning. It's called an anoxic environment. An anoxic environment is a place where oxygen don't exist. An oxygen environment is something like a scientist would make in order to conduct an experiment to see how something may um, respond to lack of oxygen. Do you see? Anoxic environments are heaven and hell. But God exists in heaven and God exists in hell. There's nothing that escapes his presence. So we have oxygen to help us understand God's transcendence, God being everywhere at once. We also realize that it has its limits, but God has no limits. God's presence is everywhere. Oxygen is an inadequate reference, but it helps us understand how even greater God is. You can't fully express him, but it helps us understand his omnipresence bit by bit. Okay, so we've now got some foundation. It's important for us to have the foundation for us to understand who he is. Now, what is our response to God's omnipresence? How should we respond to him? I think the first thing we need to do is seek him. Feel out for him. As we learned in Acts, grope out. Feel out for God. Know his face. Now, when I was going through this, the first question I was asking myself is, why should I seek God if he's everywhere? I sat back and I thought, Lord, you know, I've been taught from young, you know, to seek, to pray, to read your word and so forth. I'm like, but if you're everywhere, then why should I seek you? That's a genuine question. I'm like, Lord, I've got, I've got a question, and I know you're the God who answers, so please can you answer? And I learned about there's two types. So you have God's presence, and it splits into two to help us understand what his presence is like. The first part of his presence is called the ruach. Now, the ruach is a Hebrew word, and it helps us understand the, the text of the Bible a bit more. When I went to the Old Testament to try and find out, Lord, what word did you use here to help us understand what you are saying? Because presence is quite broad. We hear it all the time. Oh, God's presence is here. And let's, let's, let's call and, 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 and ask God for his presence to fill this place. But what presence are we talking about? It's called ruach. This one is the breath of God, the mind of God, the spirit of God. And this is the presence that is omnipresent. The mind of God, the spirit of God is everywhere. So if that one is everywhere, and that's not the one I'm seeking, then what do I seek? There's another word. It's called parnim. And this is the face of God. Relationship, intimacy, friendship. The parnim of God. So you have the ruach, which is God's mind, spirit, breath, which is everywhere. And you have the parnim, which is his face, which is intimacy. Now, this is the part I really want you to grab. Before my knowledge, understanding, and so forth. But this is where I believe God wants to hit the nail on the head for us. It's in the face of God. Not to seek the ruach, which is everywhere, but to seek his face, relationship. The first scripture I'm going to give to you to help us understand this even more is Genesis 3, verse 8. It says, 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's Adam and Eve after they've sinned. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we go back. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. But you can't hide from God's presence. So what were they hiding from? The word presence there is panim. It's not ruach. It's panim. They were hiding themselves from relationship. They were hiding themselves from the face of God. Not his ruach because we can't hide from God's omnipresence. Psalms 27 verses 8. Click the slide. You have said, click the slide. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalms 27, 8 says, seek my panim. Not my ruach, my panim. Seek relationship. Seek friendship. Seek intimacy. And David's heart responded back saying, Lord, I will seek your panim. I will seek your face. I'm not going to settle with the ruach, you being everywhere. I want more. I want a face-to-face -face with you. I want to talk with you. I want to experience you. I want to know your heart. I'm not just okay with the ruach. I want your face. There's something so powerful I was reading with Moses. when There was one point where God came down and Moses, uh, Miriam and Aaron were saying some not-so-good stuff about Moses. And then God was like, I'm not really happy with that, so I'm going to come down and, and bring some judgment on you. So God came down in the pillar of cloud, so his ruach came down, okay? So, no, this ruach, his, his panim came down. And he spoke to Miriam and he spoke to Aaron and says, because you have talked about Moses in such an adverse way, do you not know that I speak to him panim to panim as a friend? I mean, that gave me shivers. God sat with Moses and spoke to him face to face. The omnipresent God who is so powerful, so wonderful, so great, great, sat face to face with Moses. And we have the same access to, let's not seek the Ruach. Let's seek the Parnim, his face, relationship. Psalms 105, verses 3 to 4. I'm sorry it's not coming up on the slides. It should be up there, um, but if you've got your Bibles, do try and follow along. Psalms 105, verses 3 to 4. It says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And again, if we just say presence, we're like, okay, what does that mean? Is it just his presence? Is it direct? No. The word presence is panim, seek his face continually. And those who seek his face continually rejoice. Let your heart be filled with gladness because you're meeting with God intimately. Hmm. The last one is 1 John 1 3. It says, That which we have seen, heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? His fellowship. And that fellowship is the parnim of God, the face of God, to spend time with God, to seek out for him. So he's not saying seek out for the Ruach. The Ruach is everywhere. But the parnim, the face of God, oh, that. 
you can seek out, that you can grope out for, that you can feel out for. As early on I said about stoicism, you see how stoicism can be adverse to the Christian who says, void of emotions. No, God has given you those emotions to glorify him, to connect with him. Jesus wept. He wept, and I'm sure he must have wept in prayer as well. He must have cried in prayer as well. It's a good thing. Express that before the Lord. Pour out your heart before the Lord. And he pours out his heart into yours and he fills you up with his goodness and his grace. And it's, it's a beautiful experience. He's made us for himself. He's made us for us to enjoy him. Friends, you will never get close to God if you sit with your heart and your mind far away from him. So yes, his omnipresence is everywhere. Yes, heaven can't contain him. And yes, his presence and eyes and mind is in hell to heaven, to the cave in Argentina, to the top of the Himalayas. Yes, he is everywhere. His breath is everywhere. But there is something where God calls us deeper. And that's to his face. That's to relationship. I thought about it. My wife could be in a room, stand over in the corner. Her presence is here. But if you're not talking to her, there is no level of fellowship or intimacy or communication with her. Your presence is there, but her intimacy is not there. And God is calling you not just to the rule of God is here, amen. No, go and seek him and build relationship with him. Mm. James 4 verses 8. This is another promise in which you stand on. And the reason why I'm giving scripture is because if you don't have scripture, what do we stand on? We're standing on sinking sand that will just flush away by one argument from an atheist or whatever. We stand on the sovereign word of God and then we can stand and build off of that. Now, this James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hmm. That's a promise. No one can take that promise from you. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Yes, his omnipresence and his Ruach is always here influencing and moving and so forth but the intimacy in the face of God draw near to God and there's a comfort in that that when you draw near to him he will draw near to you John 14 16 to 17 he dwells with you and he is in you so we've got this omnipresent God so powerful I mean, just in a thought, he can, our existence can be gone. He's so powerful, so great, that there are no limits to his presence, but yet so tender and so sweet that he can comfort us in our fears and our weaknesses. This is the God we serve. So great and so good, not just with us, but in us as well. These are the blessings we have when we give our life to Jesus. We have the promises of the scripture that we can live out every single day. The only way we can know God is if we seek him through scripture. Without scripture, what are we? What do we know? How can we connect with God? How do we know who he is and what he says about himself unless we've read those scriptures at the beginning? After we did, now we know, now we know how to seek him. And he's inviting us day after day, come and spend time with me. Come and sit with me. Come and seek my parnim. In Proverbs 20, 27, it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. I have found such great solace 
and peace and joy spending time with Jesus changes me completely where I couldn't as a man where I fall short as a husband as a father when I go and spend time with the Savior when I go and seek his face he changes the very DNA of my heart into his likeness and into his goodness when I spend time with him, when he searches the innermost parts of me and he pulls out the roots of sin and addiction and things and he destroys that. And he does that in those times when you seek him, when you seek his face, you seek his parnim. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And there's such an assurance that we can take from this, can't we? God being everywhere constantly. We don't need to worry about what people are saying behind our back because he is with us constantly and he is there also. We can have an assurance and not lose peace over our financial situation because he's there. We can be assured that he will keep us safe and have no fear over demons and devils and wickedness and war because he's there. <laughs> we do not need to fret over our children's safety when we're not with them. Because he's there. When our time ends and we meet the grave, he's there to resurrect us as he has done, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when we take all of that in picture of his omnipresence, his ruach everywhere, his parnim which calls us face to face intimately as a friend in love, why do we fear? Why do we fear over our situations? But we must know that the all-powerful, unchanging, never-ending creator and father who loves us unconditionally is with us. He is everywhere and with us. We do not need to fear. We just need to put our trust and faith in our God who is everywhere. I've got Psalms 139. 7 to 10 on the screen. As a church, I'd love us all to read it together. Hopefully you can see it. Not too small. Screens around. And I really want us to read this. Read this with your heart. Don't read this with your head. Read it with your heart sincerely to God. Because there's something so powerful in this. Something so comforting in this. And we'll count this in after three. And let's all read this together as brothers and sisters in Jesus. One, two, three. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in show, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What comfort. Let's respond in faith and frequently seek his face intimately. He's everywhere, but we can go deeper with him today. He's everywhere, but we can have that face-to-face -face relationship with Jesus. Like a friend who is close, who is loving, and who is kind. I just want to welcome up the band and spend some time in prayer. Um, and really take comfort in these truths in which we've learned from God. 
Sometimes you may need to go, again, I, I gave a lot in here. I, I know it's a, a lot to chew over and I would invite you to listen to it again when it comes up online. But there is some serious truth that I grappled with and I'm using to, to strengthen my walk with Jesus. You know, Mark said this a few um, sermons ago when he says it's, it's our view of God. When it's so minuscule and small, we don't grow with God. But when we gain knowledge of who he is, our walk grows, our relationship grows, our perspective changes. We're no longer dancing on the ground like turkeys, but we're soaring like eagles. We're at the right altitude. We see it correctly. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I want to thank you for your awesome word. Without it, Lord, we're lost. It says your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It tells us where we stand and it shows us where we're going. And Father, we read your word and we see what you say about yourself as the omnipresent God who is everywhere constantly. But I pray, Lord, that we'll take comfort, not only in knowing that you are everywhere at once, but also that you call us deeper into a face-to-face relationship, a parneem with you, Lord. So we don't need to fear what others may say. We don't need to fear our financial situation. We don't need to fear what's going on in the world today because you are everywhere constantly, so powerfully and in control, but also so delicate and loving and kind to us in our hardships and our weaknesses. Father, I pray today for all who are sitting here and listening to this message that you will give us a heart like David to seek your parnim, to seek intimacy, to seek fellowship with you, Lord. Father, in our own ways, and our own levels of walks with you, Lord, you know how to call us and draw us. Father, Lord, I pray you will do so. Draw us to that face-to-face, to only if we could hear you say, come, Come, let us sit together. Come, let us pray together. Come, and let's spend time together. Father, I pray the faith into the hearts of those sitting here today, that you will give them a faith to jump into and leap into knowing you deeply. Draw us gently, Holy Spirit, that we may know you more and more and experience you in a great and deep way. Lord, you are everywhere constantly but you are with us and in us at the same time. It blows our mind, but that's who you are. You are God. You are unrivaled. And we thank you and love you for giving us the understanding for us to know you more. In your precious, holy and wonderful name, Jesus' name. Amen.